Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show, and today I am joined by my good friend, Annie Dickerson. Annie, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you here. So you are out of the San Francisco market, is that right? Yes, that's right. We are based in Oakland. Oh, you're based in Oakland. Okay, very cool. What did you just tell me about Oakland? It's the uh, the Brooklyn of... of <laughs> the Brooklyn of the Bay Area. <laughs> of the Bay Area. Yeah, because I've heard... I mean, I've got some buddies that live in Oakland. And, you know, back in the day, you think of Oakland, it was a fairly rough area. But these days, it's sort of trendy and up and coming, right? Oh, yeah. It's, we got all kinds of great eateries here. And it's, uh, it's, it's definitely come a long way. So is that where your, your office is actually there as well? Uh, no. So my business partner and I um, run a company called Good Egg Investments and we work from home. We are two working moms and we're just uh, building a life by design, working from home, building this business and helping other people invest in real estate. Very cool. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your business model. I know that you guys do a lot of syndications, but what does that look like? Yeah. So through Good Egg Investments, we help people who want to put their money into real estate, but don't want to be landlords. There you go. So especially uh, we're, we're helping working moms, working families who have busy jobs, who have kids and carpools and yoga class and all this stuff on their schedules. And they want to grow their wealth, but they don't want to go out and look at properties. They don't want to underwrite properties. They don't want to deal with property managers. Right. And so we help them invest in something called uh, real estate syndications, which are group investments so okay. that they can put in $50,000, $100,000. And um, together with a group of investors, we will buy a larger commercial asset like a, an apartment building. And so all of our investors are passive investors, meaning they just have their money in, but they don't have any active responsibilities. They don't have to deal with any toilets, any termites, any nice. tenants. Um, they just collect their monthly cash flow distribution checks. And then they also share in the profits when the asset is sold. Very nice. That's pretty cool. And you're sort of specifically geared towards women, which I think is pretty cool as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My my husband is a real estate agent and he has a lot of coworkers, a lot of other agents who are women. But then when I got into the investing space, I looked around, I was like, where are all the other women? Right. right. <laughs> there, there are a lot of female um, female agents. But then when you get into the investing space, it seems to be mostly male. So we yeah. really wanted to set out to to get a lot of a lot more women into this space. What a cool niche. And so I'm just curious, how are you reaching specifically women? Are they, do they have to be accredited in most years? Um, they don't have to be accredited, but um, I would say a little more than half of our investment opportunities are for accredited investors only. Okay. Well, so how are you kind of penetrating that market and, and finding women that kind of fit that profile? You know, a lot of women and a lot of men um, are intimidated by finances and by investing. So we really set out to make our brand completely different from every other real estate brand out there. Hmm. Um, when you look at most real estate investing sites, 
you'll go in and you'll see jargon, you'll see <laughs> formal language, you'll see pictures of apartment buildings and skyscrapers. And it just, it's a, it's a very hard edged feel to it. Yeah. And we found that a lot of women and also men don't resonate with that. Yeah. And so when you go to our site, you'll see a very inviting atmosphere. You'll see language that you can understand, stories that you can relate to. And that's really what we set out to build was a community of people, whether or not they were in a place to invest with us, we wanted them to understand what these opportunities were about. So we set out to really explain at a very basic level. You know, every time I talk about syndications, I say, oh, by the way, that's just a fancy word for group investment. So we want to take everything down to the bare basics so that anybody can understand. That's very cool. You're, you're so right, too. There's, there's a lot of jargon and mumbo jumbo that you know i'm sure intimidates people if they don't they don't understand what syndication is and reg d's and fundraising and all that and even multifamily probably intimidates them but when you just break it down to it's simple components it's just group investing that's really all it yes. is all of us kind of pulling our money together with somebody that's got some expertise that's going to run the project yes exactly right it takes all the fear out of it that's crazy so how long have you been doing that specifically this model yeah so we've been doing that a little less than two years okay and how many doors do you guys have or have you sold? Yeah. So in um, the two years, we've co-sponsored um, about, about 5,800 multifamily doors um, wow. across Texas and the Southeast, about $700 million in assets altogether. That's incredible. In two years? We don't, we don't kid around, Ken. You're we not just messing around. <laughs> That's amazing. Good for you guys. Holy cow. So now this is just sort of a newer model for you. You're also a single family investor yourself. Is that right? Actually, technically, I've never bought a single family home. I currently don't even live in a single family. We've always um, house hacked. Okay. So the very first um, property my, my husband and I bought right out of college, right after we got married, was a duplex when we were living in Washington, D.C., Huh. It was our first introduction into house hacking because our agent told us, you know, we could live in the top unit, rent out the basement in-law suite. And he said the magic words. He said, if we played our cards right, someday we could get it to be cash flow positive. Wow. And I had never heard anybody talk about that. And yeah. I was instantly intrigued. And we bought that first duplex. And then we went on to buy a few more. Um, and then a couple years ago, we started investing out of state for the first time. Because as I mentioned, we live in the very expensive yeah. Bay Area. Yeah. Well, so out of, I guess, your personal investing in, in buying sort of the smaller multifamily, is there one that stands out as your best deal ever? Well, there's, um, I mean, there's, there's good deals and there's bad deals, but the one that stands out the most that I have a special place in my heart for is um, what we call Echo. We named our properties after the letters of the alphabet. So we have Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, okay. Delta, and All Echo right. nice. was our first out-of-state investment, purely an investment property. All the other ones we had house hacked. Okay. And so Echo... Um, came at a time when um, I really wanted to invest out of state, but I didn't know how to do it. So I went on Bigger Pockets and I read all the, the forum threads, I listened to the podcasts, and then I started doing all the research, looking at all these markets, and finally honed in on Huntsville, Alabama as oh, an yeah. emerging market. Great market, absolutely. Great market yep. um, and affordable still. Yep. Um, 
and within, I mean, it, it checked a lot of boxes, yep. not only for us, but also for our investing goals. And so honed in on that market, but then didn't know what to do. <laughs> I yeah. said, okay, we want to invest here, but how do we pick the first one? Yeah. Um, neither my husband nor I had ever been to Huntsville before. <laughs> so we sort of just started by looking at what was on the market. We just, we reached out to brokers and property managers and this first deal echo mm -hmm. happened to be on LoopNet, believe it or not, okay. where deals go to die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I found this deal. It was a sixplex and there was nothing special about it. It was fully occupied, um, small units. And then I looked it up on Google Maps. And what was really intriguing about this particular sixplex was it was right across the street from something called Campus 805, hmm. which is an old middle school that the city of Huntsville shut down and then they renovated it and turned it into cool little local businesses. So they have microbreweries in there. They have one of those paint and sip shops. Hmm. They have one of those ax throwing places because it's the South. So you have to That's have right. yeah, yeah. an ax yeah. throwing place. Throw that in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. um, so I saw that and I was like, wow, this is like really trendy. Something's going on in this neighborhood and I want to yeah. be yeah. part of it. Right. And so because this property was right across the street from Campus 805, that's what gave me the courage to say, you know what, let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, try it out. You know, it's something's happening in this neighborhood. Interesting. And because, you know, because we were coming from the Bay Area, we we're looking at these, these properties. And I'll never forget the first property I looked at was actually a fourplex. And I talked to the broker, it was listed at $200,000 for four units. Yeah. And I said, are these, can you tell me what's wrong with this property? Is it like, are they government projects? Is it like low income area? And he's <laughs> like, no, that's actually in a great area. There's good schools nearby, very safe. And I was like, <laughs> You're like what? what? Welcome to Alabama. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so this sixplex was the same. We bought it for $170,000 wow. for six units. Um, wow. And we did all the, you know, my husband and I did all the underwriting on it. And on paper, yeah. it cash flowed great. Sure. On and paper. On <laughs> it paper. sounds like there's a caveat there on paper. Always on paper. Um, so we bought it with our HELOC, actually, our home oh, cool. equity line of credit. Yep. Um, and <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. But we had a low introductory interest rate of just 2%. For a so year really, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was great. Um, now, which and, property did you pull the money out of? Because you don't, you don't. Right. Is it one of your other investment properties? Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, so the, actually the one that, the house, the duplex that we're living in right now. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So that's amazing. That's, that's cheap money right there. Cheap, exactly. easy, accessible money. Exactly. So it, what did you plan for repairs on this? Um, so we planned, we didn't plan a lot. And so that's, uh, that's uh, part of the, what we learned. Yep. <laughs> so we, we planned maybe um, about $10,000 to put into it. Um, total across all the total, units? Total, yes. Oh, wow, yeah. And it was mostly to fix things. We weren't going to do major upgrades. Yep. Um, so we didn't plan for a whole lot of 
upgrades. We were just like, it cash flows great as is, you know, <laughs> why would we do that much to it? Yeah. Um, so we went in and like I said, all the, the units were occupied mm-hmm. and we thought 170,000, this is, this is great. It's so cheap. But then you have to think if the, the purchase price is cheap, the rent is also yeah. pretty low. Yeah. So it's not like we were renting these units out for $1,000 a piece. We were renting them out for more like $400 a piece. Ooh. I know. Well, is that what they were renting for when you bought 500, them? $500, yes. Okay. Was there yeah. an opportunity to raise rents in your mind or you thought you... You know, at the time, um, we yes, there was a little opportunity, but um, not a ton. Yeah. Because it was a developing area. It still is. Yeah. Um, and so we held them for about two years. And in that time, we learned a lot about what it means to own an investment property in a developing area. It's very different from house hacking. Yeah. We thought we've done all these house hacks. Surely we can do an investment property. But, you know, it's the tenant base is entirely different. These tenants yeah. were living a lot of times paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And um, they wouldn't tell us if things were going wrong. They had pets in their units, even though we had a no pet policy. So all these little things. Um, and then for the first time, we were dealing with um, delinquent payments. Yeah. And so even though we had a property manager in place, we still had to make the call of, you know, do we want to evict this person? Do we want to accept their excuse that they were in a car accident and they can't pay for another 10 days? You know, all those things that we and their grandmother died again. Right. I know, I know. Right. Uh, so we learned a lot along the way. But this year we, um, we took a look at the, the numbers and we realized that over this last year, that, that property, Echo, it pretty much broke even. Wow. With the the maintenance that we had, and then the some of the turnovers, it pretty much broke even, which means we lost money. Yeah, right. So we decided to sell it. And Huntsville's such a hot market at this point; we had people lining up to buy it. So yeah. we actually made over the course of the two years that we held it, uh, we made just under a hundred thousand dollars. Well, crap. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Not bad at all. That's not bad. Geez. So what did you sell it for? So we sold it for um, I think we sold it for 265. 265. So you know what? That goes back to the fact that you yes, you guys probably weren't you were ill prepared for the whole, you know, kind of low-end rental multifamily. But what you guys did right in the scenario is that you researched the market first and you really chose the market before you chose the property. And that was sort of your saving grace in all this. Yes, that was, we sort of bumbled into it. And I knew, I knew that we were, it was our first yeah. one. I knew that we were going to make mistakes and it's paying the tuition of life, right? right. It's we, I knew we wouldn't, it wouldn't be a grand slam right off the bat. Um, but I knew that we were getting into that market. And then what happened was we got Foxtrot and golf Okay. Um, which nice. came quickly after. So Foxtrot is in um, two fourplexes and golf is two fourplexes as well. Oh, nice. So then we had a total of, what is that? 22 units in Huntsville within a short amount of time. Oh, so you stayed in the market. So the next we two properties in the were in Huntsville. Okay, yes. cool. Yes. Did and you 1031 it? Yeah, we did 1031. I uh, know not, not echo, um, but we did 1031 
Bravo, which is our duplex in um, DC, and okay. that's how we um, got Foxtrot and Golf. Okay, all right. And so those are now are those two now performing properties for you? Yes, yes, those are doing well. Although we've had all kinds of issues with those two. Same, same developing area. Yeah. Um, we had one. <laughs> we had one tenant who we did eventually we did decide to evict. Mm-hmm. It was our, one of our first evictions that we had ever done. It was heart-wrenching, you know, to throw somebody out of their home, yeah. but she hadn't paid for multiple months. And, yeah. you know, finally I was like, you know, we can't, just, she should find a different place. Yeah. The day before the sheriff shows up, um, she stops up all of the sinks and the tubs in her unit, leaves the water running and takes off. And by the time that our property managers figured it out, she had flooded three of the four units in that fourplex. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. You got your education big time. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Wow. What do you, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I get, I sort of get the psychology people feel like, yeah, there's an entitlement issue there, but do you, I mean, do you go after them? Do you even bother filing? I mean, or do you just well, let it go? Joke's on her because we got great insurance. <laughs> uh, so actually we actually good, made money. It was a ton of hassle though, but we actually walked away with a little bit more money than we put into the repairs, which was wow. nice. Yeah. But you know, that's always what, what we tell people with passive investing in syndications is if you don't want to deal with <laughs> the flooding, yeah. you don't want to deal with the turnovers and the maintenance and the surprises, then, you know, you really should consider passive investing instead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, you know, you kind of dealing with all the hassles got all the upside. So I mm-hmm. mean, it's in long term, it worked out great for you, but it's just a lot of headache. Yeah. It's, it could be a burden to carry that. But 100%. Kudos for you guys for doubling down. You yeah. have a kind of a rotten first experience. Let's do two more. That's right. That's in the right. Same market. <laughs> That's all. And so those have appreciated, I'm assuming you still own the, the next two, Foxtrot and Golf? Yes. Okay. Yes. We and still own equity. those. They are cash flowing great now that we've, um, we inherited tenants for those as well. But um, we've, uh, a lot of those tenants have left and we've gotten more qualified tenants in there yep. and it seems to be a lot fewer hiccups these days than when we first started. It is possible. I've, ha- I've had some, some C and D class multifamilies before and it's in there tough to stabilize, but you can stabilize them. You can get the right tenants in there and it can perform, but it just takes, it just takes rolling up your sleeves and, and, and doing it. I guess you probably have a pretty good property manager, I'd imagine, in Huntsville helping you. We do, although you know it's a two-way street. So you know yeah. they they work their way and we work our way. So over the the last couple of years, we've learned a lot from each other, and yeah. it's like two, uh, I guess, two square rocks, if you can imagine it, and bumping up against each other. And now we're both smooth and round rocks, <laughs> kind of worked out the kinks with analogy. each other. Um, so yeah, now it's a great working relationship. That's amazing. Well, this, so this was a good best deal for you because in your mind it was, you made a good money, obviously, $100,000 over two years is fantastic, but you also, is an education, 
Yes. And that is the most important piece. And that's what we always tell people is if you're wanting to get into it, just get into it. Don't be scared. I mean, I, I'm always under the philosophy of fail fast and even fail faster. If you can, if we had never gotten into echo and had all that trouble that we did and learned all the lessons we did, it wouldn't have got us into Foxtrot and golf. And more importantly, it wouldn't have got me, gotten me into the world of indications and creating good egg investments with my business partner, Julie. And, you know, it just, it led us down this path um, all because we took a chance. Yeah. That's awesome. So takeaway for you, if somebody's out there and they're thinking, man, I'd love to invest out of state. You've done it now. What's, what's your advice to them? Oh boy. Um, Just, Research it carefully. Yeah. And so what were you looking for, even research-wise? What what was important to you? You know, um, I was looking for a market where there was a good amount of job growth and population growth and job diversity and um, a smaller market um, that was more affordable. Mm -hmm. And I think what sets Huntsville apart... I mean, it checked off all those boxes, but what sets Huntsville apart from a lot of the other um, Southern markets is that, you know, most landlocked markets, you can expand, like think Texas, right? You can expand and expand and expand and keep building. Yeah. With Huntsville, if you look at Huntsville on a map, you'll see the Redstone Arsenal, uh, which is where the first rockets were built. So mm-hmm. NASA is there, Boeing is there. Mm-hmm. So the Redstone Arsenal is this huge plot of land on the southwestern side of the city. And so you've got downtown Huntsville here, and then the Redstone Arsenal is this huge block here. Mm. And because it's government land, they can't build any houses there. Mm. And so as I was looking at these population trends and the job growth trends, I'm like, man, all these jobs are coming to the area. All these people are going to be moving here, but they can't build in this big square of land. They're going to have to go around. So I knew it was only a matter of time before that demand would go up and drive prices up. Um, So it's little things like that. You want to read Mm -hmm. between the lines and Mm -hmm. really do your research and look carefully and find a market that you want to be in because that's, I think that's the most important part. The saying goes, you know, small hinges swing big doors. And then Mm -hmm. so that finding that market is that small hinge that's going to determine all the rest of what you do because within that market, you're going to find your broker, you're going to find your property management company you're going to find your team so it takes a lot of work to build all those pieces so you want to be really intentional about choosing a market that will fit with your goals yeah kudos to you man for finding it really coming from california to figure out that huntsville is a great market i mean it it really is it's only a couple hours from atlanta it's a fantastic market so kudos Mm -hmm. to you for and there is no perfect property you found a good market you found a suitable property but you made money because you were in the right market Right. So. Right. And I've been there a couple of times now and I love it. It's a great market. That's awesome. Well, Annie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was fantastic. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ken. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So. I decided to solve the problem. 
I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're going to talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm with my good friend, Annie Dickerson. And Annie, we want to hear about your worst deal ever. Oh man, every every investor's got a worse deal, am I right, Ken? Yeah, I've got too many worse <laughs> deals, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so one story that comes to mind is um, a an aplex that we bought in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. And one of those tenants, um, she hadn't paid for months and months, and I am, and this is partly on me because you know most landlords when somebody's not paying for even one month, they kick yeah. them out. Yeah. And I just didn't have it. I didn't have it in me to kick this person out. I kept taking their excuses, gave them more time. And finally, one day I was like, I've had enough. Let's schedule the eviction. And, you know, even though Huntsville is a landlord friendly market, it mm -hmm. still took some time. So we're waiting, waiting. Meanwhile, well, are she's you communicating with her directly? Or are you using a property manager to communicate with her? No, we, we had a property manager. So all this is um, through the property manager. All this is through the, okay. and even that's good. <laughs> that's what a wimp I am. Even through a property manager, <laughs> I couldn't be like, no, just throw them out. I know. Right. Yeah, it's, I it's know. a little easier if somebody else is doing all the dirty work for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, now so, was she a tenant that was in the unit then when you bought the unit? Yes. So she's an inherited tenant. Yes. Which can be the worst kind of tenant. They really, it's really hit or miss when you inherit a tenant because yeah. um, you never know if the previous owners put them in there because they're qualified or just put them in there for a warm body. That's right. Yeah. Sounds so, like the latter. Maybe she was yeah, in there yeah. <laughs> In this case, it wasn't a great fit for her. Um, so finally, we decided to evict her. And the day before the sheriff uh, was set to show up, she um, she didn't let anybody know, but she stopped up all of the sinks and the tubs in her unit and then left the water running oh, and no. took off. And oh, no. by the time that we figured it out, she had flooded not just one unit, not just two units, but three units. Oh my gosh. And I had never dealt with um, flood damage like this before, but it, basically all three units had to be offline the entire summer while they dried out before they could even do the renovation. So they had fans going, all this stuff, and it was just a ton of damage. Um, oh no. Did you have to, so the tenants down below her had to move out? Well, thankfully it was townhouses. So it was right next to each, ne right next to each gotcha. other. Okay. Um, but yes, we had to um, displace the other tenants because it was all, it was all damaged. So, okay. So it's not like it flooded below necessarily. It went down and then kind of went out. Yes. Went I gotcha. Out. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, and in the South, in the summer, I mean, you will get mold like this mm-hmm. if you're not mm-hmm. careful. And so you had to get everybody out, cut out all the sheetrock and start remediation. What was the total bill on that? Um, let me think. Um, I think it was about 30 or $40,000 in repairs. Oh, is that crazy? And then the insurance payout was about, I think it was 60 or 70,000. So well, we made out with a little bit, a little bit more, which was nice. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Most insurance adjusters are barely going to get you covered. I know. I know. We got lucky. That's amazing. Well, at least you recover. And do they cover lost rent too while you displace some folks? Uh, yes, they did. Okay. Well, wow. Your worst deal ever has at least a quasi happy ending, but still. It was a, a I mean, in the butt. Exactly. And that was, that was it right there was it. Ultimately we didn't lose any money on it, but we lost a ton of time. Yes. And you know, people talk about, um, Oh, you know, rental properties are so passive when you have property management in place, you only have to hop on the phone once a week with your property management at most. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that is true. I only talk to my property manager once a week, but the rest of the week I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, you know, I'm like checking my emails and I'm like, oh, did I ever get back to my property manager about this and what's happening with the insurance? And so it takes up a lot of mind share, even though it doesn't take up a lot of actual time. Yeah. It's emotional energy, right? That you're spending whether you Mm -hmm. want to or not. Yeah. That's amazing. So did you ever go after this lady that did this? I mean, do you do anything criminal wise with that? No. no, we we let her go. Her last name is Threat with three T's. So we decided it was best just not to, to let her go. <laughs> the three T triple threat tenant, yep, man. Exactly. That's, yeah, but with a name like Threat, you just leave it alone. Just Oh, yeah. You're free. You just, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cut your losses. <laughs> well, that's crazy. The joys of owning uh, C and D class multifamily, right? That's just part Absolutely. of it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, Annie, this was a good one. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Ken. All right, take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. Whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.